Because of the coronavirus epidemic and to respect social distancing guidelines, this episode of Civil Politics was recorded remotely over Zoom. Good evening and welcome to Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP 103.3 FM out of Northampton, Massachusetts. I'm Michael Dow. I'm hosting tonight with John Roberts and Sue Timberlake. Greetings. Greetings. And uh, yeah, we're here to talk about the politics and be civil about it. <clears throat> so um, yeah, welcome. Uh, if you'd like to uh, chime in and let us know what you think about the show or things we talk about, or I don't know, ask us, please, for the love of God, to stop. Uh, you know, you can get in touch with us in a few different ways. Uh, email is contact at civilpoliticsradio.com. And that uh, also at civilpoliticsfm on Twitter or facebook.com slash civilpoliticsradio. Uh, we do also have our own website, civilpoliticsradio.com, that you can reach us at uh, through the email, and you can listen to previous episodes of the show and supplementals and all kinds of good stuff. But we were talking about uh, the wonderful pile of shenanigans that is the uh, uh, Congress, uh, U.S. Congress, before uh, we went on air. Um, uh, two things that sort of kind of made me grit my teeth. One is apparently the uh, U.S. Senate has gone through, jumped through a fair number of hoops to sort of come to land back on the spot of, yes, we will increase the debt limit for, you know, a modest amount to get us through the next year or two. Um, and Mid February is the next deadline, I think. <laughs> oh, really? Only only through mid-February, not even like... Uh, I think so. Oh. I, I think that's right. Maybe that's the... Uh, Continuing resolution. I may have a mixed up. I, I think th I think that's I do, the CR. I... Yeah. Yeah. You think yeah, the debt limit goes longer? I, I think so. They did the debt limit about two months ago, just till now. So they keep bumping them together. Well, anyway, our, but our the uh, we'll look and see. But the point is, the the you know the Republican Party just does not want to uh, uh, doesn't want to have their fingerprints all over this. Uh, uh, moment of action by an otherwise uh uh you know deadlocked senate so so the there's United that Congress. right so which is just how the republican party wants it um and also uh the 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 the, the house <clears throat> excuse me uh acted uh with real dispatch and i think something like uh over 300 uh representatives voted forward a uh, defense appropriations bill, which is now heading off to the Senate. And uh, I believe the amount was $768 billion uh, for one year, which is a, an astonishing amount of money. And uh, if uh, Fred Kaplan at Slate is to be believed, adjusted for inflation, it's the largest single year budget since the Second World War. Um, Maybe we're getting ready for a world war. Yeah. Well, and it's also it's twenty five billion dollars more than was actually 
officially requested by the uh, the Pentagon. Apparently, the, there's this thing the Pentagon has been doing where they call a, uh, what is it, uh, unfunded priorities, I think. They, they sort of append a list of stuff like, you know, if you're going to throw in some sweeteners, you know, here's some stuff we like, we'd love to have. Uh-huh. Kind, of, kind of like a defense appropriations tip jar, I guess, is the idea. So anyway. Uh, the, the, the towns do that. They, yeah. they often have, you know, the regular what they're going to get and then a capital budget and then a 10-year plan. And if they get extra money, they just move things up on their five or 10-year plan. They just, you know, they take care of the roads. They get some money. They do the roads sooner than they, yeah. you know. So the so I bet Pentagon does that. So the the House, uh, you know, most of the Democrats and plenty of the Republicans voted uh, to say yes, please to this. Well, like they took what the Pentagon said and said, no, that's not enough. You guys, you guys, you're looking thin. Are you getting enough guns and butter? (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, Um, apparently part of the bill is. Uh, opening a new office to study UFOs. Ooh. Oh, I bet that's true. Do, but do, they do, are do, they do, are do, doing do, climate change too, right? Because they expect do, trouble do, from climate do. change. Uh, I heard about going to immigrate. I I hadn't heard about them anything specifically about climate change in the bill. What I had heard was that it uh, does include the, the the one thing in the bill that I think is just a, a good thing. That I'm in favor of is that uh, uh, it's changed uh, the way the military operates, so that uh, if someone is, you know, convicted of sexual misconduct, their commanding officer can't simply vacate the uh, conviction. And uh, you oh, know, Gillibrand did from that from New yeah. York. Yeah, that's yeah, something she's, she's been working she's on been for all years. Over and it's just yeah, that they got it out of the chain of command. That's interesting. I didn't think that had a shot. Well, yeah, and uh, yes, it is. And it absolutely needed to be. So, yeah, just it, it, it is. a. I know the military is you know, not a democracy. It's a it's an army, uh, you know, whatever it's. So, <clears throat> you know, my expectations for it can't be the same as it would be for civilian society. But just the idea that like, yes, you know, a military tribunal has has met. And considered the evidence and found somebody is guilty of committing uh, a, a crime, and their commanding officer just says, "Nah." And it's like, what? No, <laughs> that's that shouldn't yeah, be how it works. When it's the commanding commanding officer that committed the crime is a problem too. You know? So, yeah, it's pretty. pretty oh, sorry. Intense <laughs> in the service. I was just reading about more about the UFO office and. It's okay. actually uh, something that um, Kristen Gillibrand is, is in favor of because it, it sounds silly. And I thought it was like, yeah, really? But it's it, it's a um, the office will have more basically provide more oversight for uh, the military's sightings of unexplained objects. So th- which could be new technologies from other countries or or something like that, like. UFO doesn't actually mean aliens. It's just like, what the hell's that? And right, another the, name that they use, so it doesn't say UFO. It's like yeah, the military um, changed the name. Unexplained to, aerial phenomena, I believe. Yeah, you yeah, know, that. it's it's a new acronym acronym that means unidentified flying object. So you yeah, know. <laughs> but uh, the it is pretty interesting because it's um, 
it was bipartisan <laughs> and it is going to give some oversight for like understanding what what the hell's going on with like you know if they if if some um if someone in a in a fighter like flies past something and they're like i have no idea what that thing is and they don't really investigate it they that could have been a newly developed weapon or a newly developed kind of kind of um aircraft that our intelligence doesn't know about so having um like the anomaly surveillance and resolution office with the authority to pursue any resource capability asset or process of the department and the intelligence community to get to the bottom of sightings of unidentified aerial phenomena. So that's actually pretty that interesting. Perfect, actually. Yeah. Honestly, that's, that's um, a good idea. It, when it, you yeah. explain it that way. Well, it's a good military justification for, uh, I don't know, running around with your hair, with your hair on fire uh for well they 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 know. ridicule the pilot so it's never investigated so this is better this is a better approach i i, I mean yeah i i don't know i i uh, i i've seen uh 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 you know i've read articles about uh, you know like here's a famous incident and this is what's going on here this is an artifact of the video camera and it's pretty clear you know and like i don't know but it, it, like i i do uh uh the i'm very dubious that there's going to turn out to be you know some secret chinese aircraft project uh that's using novel physics and propulsion technology to uh produce uh weird stuff that's freaking out our pilots but um you know to the extent that it isn't uh just you know artifacts or uh uh glitches in the uh, radar and imaging equipment or whatever uh, if it's representing some actual actual atmospheric phenomenon uh, you know that's that's fascinating and I certainly want to know more about weird stuff in Earth's atmosphere uh, you know weird weird meteorological effects because that's what we're talking about then if it's you know if it's not a machine if it's a natural thing that's that's what it is it's 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 something it's really weird weather and that's pretty cool didn't, wasn't one of the original UFO famous UFO events? They said it was swamp gas or something. Yes, the Fed uh, said. Area Fifty One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, is that what it is? No, no, not Area Fifty One. Oh. That's out in the desert. But like, yeah. it was that a thing in Ohio? Oh, I'm right. fuzzing on the different. But it was, it was like yeah. Ohio or Pennsylvania. But it was like in the fifties, and it was like people saw, you saw creepy lights, and it's like, yeah, no, it's it's, uh, uh you know methane you know methane emanations from a from a swamp and they catch fire it's a thing that happens sometimes you know it, it is a an actual honest to god natural occurrence so yeah uh well what i'm saying about the 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 this new this new office is that you know it could be extraneous but it it's also something it, it doesn't have to be about some weird disc in the sky or, or something that has like really weird stuff it could be just like that's a that's that's a new plane that we've never seen before what the hell's that you know it's um yep. it's a, it could it be like directions yeah it could be this uh it could be something that is um more Prototype. invisible to radar so they're like there's a plane there and then command is like there no there's not they're like no it's right there and then they then they investigate that something like that um, I think that's that is up. kind of important. 
more oh. books in schools would be more important. But if we're going to do it, <laughs> you know, <laughs> oh, good point. I'd like the you 25 to billion to go into the farm education, maybe, or, you know, housing. But if we're going to like throw money, it could be at, used to pay for Medicare for all. It could be. It could be. But it's not gonna. So might as well <laughs> like do intelligent stuff, I guess. If only they were going to spend $25 billion on, you know, atmospheric research as opposed to, I don't know, more weapons. That'd be crazy. What are you yeah, talking about, Mike? Are you a commie? Um, Jesus. Well, you- <laughs> my, one of the things that I think, one of the sad realities of uh, American science and technology since World War II is that uh, no uh, part of American society uh, has benefited more from direct investment from the military and been driven more by the military's priorities and its vast pocketbook than you know the development of especially electronics but uh, uh, and computing and so forth but any kind of uh, science and technology you know nuclear weapons all kinds of material science and chemistry and whatnot <clears throat> all kinds of cool stuff um, but it was being I devised think immigrants actually contributed more than more than the military to electronics and stuff all those inventors of pcs and the circuits and all that that those uh, were Sue? those were people Sue? like dr wang sue <laughs> yes. i i yeah yes. absolutely immigrant you know uh, uh uh people who came to this country provided a heck of a lot of talent um but the military's uh Funded. money is what paid for it <laughs> the military brought <laughs> them here they were yes, working the mil- for the military. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like there's a, an Wang. awful lot. Not Dr. Wang. He, he, he was, he, indeed, no. But I mean, you know, tons and tons he of money. I mean, the, the, tran- memory. the transistor was invented basically uh, 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 because of military funding, you know? Like the military was paying to have, I, I can't remember now the story now. It's 20 years ago that I you know, remember reading, was it at the Aberdeen Proving Grounds? I, I don't remember. I can, one can look it up. It's, it's, it's the kind of thing Wikipedia will have a perfectly good, you know, thumbnail version of, but in any event, the, uh, it's pretty clear, <coughs> excuse me. I think, I think you'll find it's at the pretty base clear whatever that, the money or whatever, there's some smarty pants that came up with some crazy great idea and the military sought them out and did and did promote it but the actual driving inventive creativity came from an individual smarty pants that's my theory <laughs> uh not to go off on a total rabbit trail but uh no <laughs> no 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 um uh individual genius is a hugely important factor uh, uh, immigrants made a lot of contributions for sure. Um, and you know, to come from individuals, people working on them, you know, absolutely were, uh, uh, on their own was definitely an important factor, but, um, most definitely, uh, the, uh, U S military, um, uh, uh, drove, you know, their interests made a huge difference in, uh, what got funded and how uh, laboratories were organized and whatnot. Really, <clears throat> we're talking about the model of uh, uh, industrial science uh, yep. really starts with uh, Thomas Edison in the 1870s, where like, you know, you're making it into a business and 
you know, there's all like, like, you know, the Westinghouse lab in, uh, uh, I'm thinking Kipsy, New York. And stuff. I, it's, it's the difference between yeah, you and Sue, me, Mike. I think Sue, the individual Sue, does it. Sue, <laughs> Sue? Yes. seriously, the cotton gin is a long time before the 20th century. This is, I'm, I'm talking know. about how, uh, it, it, it's a whole thing, but like, uh, uh, like, this is what I spent a fair amount of my time studying when I was getting my master's in the history of science is, is the way in which science was driven by the priorities of institutions and the things they funded and, uh, the, and, and ways in which the culture of secrecy actually uh, did not stifle scientific ad advancement in the way that I figured it would before I started looking into it. <clears throat> it sort of creates a sort of a, its own secret little world, but like within that world, though, there, there can be a lot of, you know, exchange of ideas and whatnot. And anyway, it's a whole thing. And, well, and, we, and, and the, we, the point, the point, we come at regardless, this from different angles. <clears throat> well, the, the, the point is that if you want to talk about uh, the, the larger pattern of what, how science is done in this country, who's doing the science and, and how and why, and who's paying for it. Because, you know, science has gone from being like a amateur pursuit that, you know, uh, uh, educated people pursue gentle, you know, like uh, uh, aristocrats or whatever, you know, we're a long way from the days of Robert Boyle being one of the few people in the country who has the money because Boyle's of his law. enormous family wealth. Yes, uh, that fellow, Boyle's Law, to be able to build, uh, uh, to, to pay Robert Hooke to build and Gratorix, the uh, artificer, to build a uh, air pump uh, that can allow him to do vacuum experiments inside a sealed uh, glass jar and so forth. You know, <clears throat> um, that wasn't something most people uh, were interested in. And, and you know, people who were interested in it, most of them couldn't afford to spend that kind of money. But Boyle could and Boyle did. And that's great. Um, you know, uh, people weren't building particle accelerators uh on their own out of their own pockets you know they weren't doing bake sales it was uh the u.s military was really interested in uh you know high energy physics for example so uh all this money was ultimately coming from the u.s taxpayer funneled through you know the defense uh, research projects administration I think um, um, I think anyway, a good way to, to I know I, no, I just want to I just want to try to tie this up because I think a good way to look at it is yeah. that there are people that have individual inventions and stuff that does happen. And a lot of science sure. is funded by the government. But I think the I think the middle ground is someone is trying to create something they will not create. They will not have the funding or they will not be able to bring that idea to fruition without funding. And that's when the military or the government or some larger organization comes in and says, venture okay, capitalists, not, not really venture capitalists. They're like, come work Sometimes. for us and come, come here and, and make the thing. And that's how that idea can actually become fully formed. But there are different ways to go. There are different routes to invention. What I think what Mike is saying is that most most of the time when you see larger inventions or like the some of the most important um uh discoveries or or creations that help the world help the scientific world or just help us in in the world today it's it's come from in large part from government funding if by uh the national institutes of 
health or, or science or there's grants or the government or the, the military, things like that. The, the funding has to come from somewhere and the ideas get, get scooped up if not. And now more, it's more by private industry. Um, but around like from world war two up until like the nineties, it was mostly, uh, government, um, funding and, and employment. Is that, does that make Uh, sense? Yeah. Kind of. I mean, I'm I'm really simplifying it here, but no, I think uh, that's a good uh, that's a good bridge to the next subject, whatever it is, because I I see the individual as the one who's driving it, and the money is what they have to chase, whether it's NASA, which is one of the projects I worked on, or um, NIH, or Department of Mental Health, or Big Pharma, you know, whoever funds it. Okay. But I think I see it as the individual dragging it up the hill and you guys see it as the the money's there and you know something rises to the top and it gets funded mm, it's just uh, a different perspective yeah this can be a supplemental if you guys want but we only have a few minutes left in this half yeah. is there there are a few other things that happened can i tell you something about joe manchin since you hate him <laughs> I don't hate Joe Manchin. I'm just continually <laughs> disappointed in in Joe Manchin. I'm annoyed by Joe Manchin. I am vexed so this, by Joe Manchin. This week, this week he's running around with a card of things that the Democrats have accomplished in 2021, and um, it's sort of interesting because this I didn't know half of them. These are these are Biden's accomplishments. Okay. Nine hundred billion dollar. Bipartisan COVID-19 Relief Act, Bipartisan Energy Act, COVID-19 Hate Crimes Act, Bipartisan, January 6th Emergency Supplemental. Uh, They repealed the Trump true lender rules. They repealed the Trump, um, oh shoot, something, methane in the environment. Uh Yeah, Um, like sales Uh, of land. Uh, yep. Uh, yeah. They extended the government funding through the Emergency Assistance Act. They made Juneteenth a holiday and they passed the one trillion dollar infrastructure act. And they've got the BBB on the. So I thought that was funny of all his complaining <laughs> that he's running around Congress with this card with all these accomplishments of Biden on it. Uh, anyway, I just thought I'd I'd give you a, a gift yeah. <laughs> as a Republican. A bunch of Republicans are running around saying uh, uh, you know, look at all this uh, funding we've put together to help people recover from the coronavirus epidemic or whatever. And, uh, you know, it's all stuff that they didn't vote for. So, yeah, yeah, they're, yeah. They're trying to impress their constituents with 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 democratic accomplishments. So. There's a lot. Well, of... I just thought you'd appreciate my acknowledgement of the Democrat success. Yeah, that's that's great. It's just that Joe Manchin running like like trying to play the cheerleader now is just him trying to it just feels like him trying to save face because all of those accomplishments were just all that political capital was just wiped out by his by almost his personal actions like we should be lauding those things but because there were larger things and more honestly in some ways more important things than that stuff uh and he crashed it all now we're all mad and he's trying to be like, Oh, but look what we did. We're I'm still cool. Right. Well, doesn't vote for BBB. (laughs) They'll, they'll turn feather him. 
he'll he'll vote for it because he's scaled it back by all by over half yeah so that's of course he'll vote for it because that's his bill now boo i don't know he's starting to say he might not oh jeez i know but re- regardless, this is, you know, th- uh, this is, uh, uh, you know, as as Sue has pointed out in the past, this is uh, terrible political marketing. Uh, the Democrats are doing an absolutely terrible job of uh, of making people care about the good stuff they've done. All the attention is being focused on the arguments they're having. And uh, and, you know, to the extent anybody's paying attention to Joe Biden, it's mainly to talk about how they're disappointed with him. Um, you know, this is, uh, th- you know, this is the drawback to electing somebody who's, you know, like a, a good dude, but kind of laid back and chill and not like a master manipulator, uh, uh, you know, uh, attention hog who, you know, is always clamoring for the spotlight and always gets the media paying attention to whatever he does. You know, uh, when Biden's doing good stuff, he can't really drive the, the narrative. Because <clears throat> I actually, I, 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 another article I saw pointed out like he's given six uh, uh, public addresses to talk about what the uh, uh, infrastructure bill has done and how it's helping people, and I'm like, you know, the the press just doesn't care. Really? Oh, yeah, he's been he's been uh, on speaking tours a lot over the past few months, a whole lot, trying to sell the. Uh, trying to sell the bills trying to tell the american people what he's been doing everything like that um there are, are a is lot the press of covering it uh yeah they've talked they talk about it the problem is that then something else like bad happens and they focus on that yeah. um and one of the i mean actually, old dude tells you about what's tells you about all the new broccoli he's going to be putting on your plate for you to eat up <laughs> yum yum it's good for you isn't as is it is appealing as like oh god look at this look at this thing it's on fire yeah yeah i mean immigrants are bringing the pandemic to the u.s we need to shut the border actually yeah i mean they it's i was actually i forget where i was hearing it but like someone was talking about how the the issue isn't just that the democrats are bad at messaging it isn't just that the republicans are just throwing up walls it's that the the democrats are trying to sell the wrong things like they're trying to push for for things that we we don't need we need like better things we need a different approach to things and that's one of the issues because everybody's paying everybody like they're saying oh we're gonna do this this and this and it's like okay this is stuff that we've been expecting and that's stuff that you do all the time and it's great that you're doing this now because um this stuff is kind of different but you like without radical different change then um it just feels like more of the same especially when uh, the oh, um is yeah yeah it's and the 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 ish, the biggest issue there is it's it like like i said like a couple shows ago like 20 years ago this would have been insanely progressive it would have been wildly out of left field but now because of because we've been um oh yeah i mentioned it during our 
are supplemental to the yes. jaded urgency of now. Um, it's on civilpoliticsradio.com if you want to listen to it. But because of all the all the infighting and because of all of the the people that are in control that don't that aren't care. of this era that don't and don't care, then the American people aren't going to care. And the we're just going to just keep fighting, infighting and fighting and fighting. It sucks. I don't like it. We should not do that anymore. That's my that's yeah. my that's my solution. Well, and and <laughs> it's it's deliberately low key, undramatic, and functional. So uh, no wonder it's uh, not catching uh, uh, the news media's attention the way uh, uh, you know all the drama and and craziness. You know, uh, I, and part of the appeal of Joe Biden during his camp election campaign was you know things will be going back to, to something like normal and things will be kind of chill and you won't have to be freaking Ugh. out about whatever the president's doing. And it's like, yeah, okay, good. So uh, it turns out that uh, uh, if uh, we aren't freaking out, we kind of, the media doesn't quite know how to really uh, uh, make it something people want to want to follow. But anyway, we should probably take our mid show break at this point. So we're going to play some PSAs, promos, and station IDs, and then we'll be back with more civil politics in just a couple of minutes. So don't go away. We'll be right back. Table of Contents is a weekly music program that assembles an assortment of songs and sounds of many genres, and which may entail literally taking a random collection of musical sources off the shelf and giving them a turn on the table or spin in a CD or tape player. Each week presenting shows which can at times be organized orderly and at other times perhaps be not as much so, yet never dull. Tune in Friday nights, 10 p.m. till midnight on WXOJ LP, Northampton 103.3 FM. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Hey, this is Wendy, host of Valley Free Radio's subculture music program, featuring new wave, post-punk, indie, and electronic music from the 70s to today. Join me every Friday night from 8 to 10 p.m. here on WXOJ, or stream it live from your favorite listening device at valleyfreeradio.org. Tune in to Evidence-Based Radio, science and skepticism from a feminist and socialist perspective. Every week, we explore the interesting and important stories in science with a focus on the positive. Friday nights from 6 to 7 on Valley Free Radio, 103.3 FM, or at evidencebasedarada.com. That's 6 to 7 p.m. Fridays on Valley Free Radio. And we're back with Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio. WXOJLP 103.3 FM out of Northampton, Massachusetts. I'm still Michael Dow. I'm still here with Sue Timberlake and Jonra Roberts. And uh, hey, Jonra. Yo. How, on a scale of one to 10, how pleased are you that uh, a Starbucks in Buffalo, New York, the employees there voted by a two to one margin to unionize? On a scale from one to 10, one being the least excited, 10 being the most excited ever? Indeed. <clears throat> Six? Seven, yeah. maybe. Six. Yeah, yeah. 
I'm yeah. really happy. I'm really happy about it. That's really it's really a great thing. Um the the there was a a straight up vote. There wasn't um they were they were careful not to let the uh, management uh, mess with the vote like they did in the Amazon vote. Uh, they were um, there were separate votes for each store. There were a few stores in Buffalo or upstate New York, in Buffalo that uh, wanted to unionize. One of those three um, unionized. The other one did not pass it, and then a third one it's still in contention. Uh, the uh, the interesting thing about that is that um, Starbucks, the company, wanted all the stores to have a pool vote, like one or like pool vote. all or nothing. That's how you undermine yeah. it. Yep. Exactly. Yep. And yep. the That's what uh, Amazon did. Mm-hmm. And then everybody said or and then the people, the investigators said, like, no, they're going to do separate. That's how the law works. So now they have a. A unionized Starbucks, and this is the first in the country. There are a few more that are going to to start holding votes, hopefully. But this is the best thing about this. Isn't like it's really great that they have representation, that they have collective bargaining. But one of the biggest thing is um, now people can see that it's possible uh, that one store can get unionized or one one location. So uh, maybe some fast food places will unionize maybe we'll see a union a union mcdonald's or or wendy's or we'll see a unionized um i don't know whatever <laughs> like smaller smaller places. gggi friday yeah no, um <laughs> the, the, well, you know, the point Cooley, is that it's Cooley. it's possible it's showing that it's possible and it's showing that people are interested in in unionization in collective bargaining and in workers rights and just especially nowadays it's uh it's going to be gaining some traction i'm hoping yeah. so i'm really excited about this Hey, so Sue, on a scale of one to ten, how happy are you that uh, this uh, Starbucks in, in Buffalo is unionized? Well, you know, I'm anti-union, so you sure. guys know that already. Um, I have to say that I agree with genre that the climate is something. A lot of people. I was in a restaurant locally, the Great Wall, here in Florence, and sure. uh, the other night just picking up some food, and the owner was running from the front desk to answer the phone to the back to make the food, and then waiting on us. So she can't she can't find any help. So the the labor market's really tight. That means wages will go up and there'll be all kinds of pressures. And I think we'll probably we'll see a lot more unions. But I was going to say when John was talking. You know, Cooley Dickinson had a union vote two years ago, three years ago, and their their nurses are already unionized. But this was um, x-ray techs, lab people, and secretaries. And that's the other tactic that people use to try and stop a union is they put disparate groups in together so that if the, um, you know, the x-ray techs want more money to be an x-ray tech, but the lab people want less hours, you know, there's competing yeah. needs and it kind of it kind of disrupts it but the, they did vote in the union at Cooley for all those other departments yeah. uh not departments but um job job classifications so yeah interesting that 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 labor person the um federal labor person that was supervising the the um election at Starbucks i mean that was interesting that they let the stores be on their own each one on their own that really probably helped it to happen because clearly the other two places, it's a closer, a closer yeah. count. So should I really explain great. my position on unions? 
you guys already know it. That, yeah, um, go go ahead. Uh, for I mean, not everybody's know. like a constant listener, so like, yeah, what's um, yeah, what yeah, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I mean, geez, I don't even one. listen to the show all the time, and I'm on it. <laughs> and, and you can't fact, remember what my <laughs> have I been? In fact, have I been talking during this show? Because I I can't remember. Anyway. <laughs> Just in a nutshell, I've worked yeah. in a lot of places where there were unions. One place, even thirteen unions, and. Um, I always, I always, I never want to work in a place that's unionized because it usually means that there's been some problem that was so hideous that the employees were forced to unionize to take care of it. And so it, it tips you off that there's trouble in the organization. That's my perspective, my opinion. And so I understand why people unionize and there's usually a very good reason that they do. And, you know, I, I'm glad that the, job market is tight and that people are going to get raises and it'll probably match better what uh, living wages. Um, so, but I'm, like I said, fundamentally anti-union for the reason I just stated. So I just share that Wait. with our listeners. Hold on, hold on. You're anti-union because it is basically a canary in the coal mine? Yes. So that wouldn't be yep. that you're anti-unionization. That means you're anti-poor working conditions that never- cause unionization. Well, and I, I think that there's lots of other ways to address it, but people are often afraid to do that as individuals, I, as always. The show is about individuals, okay. I think. Um, a lot of times you can negotiate yourself, and if people just stand up. <laughs> what? If people just stand up. Yeah, and a, and a lot of times women are paid less. This can make your heads explode. Women are paid less because they never demand what what's rightfully theirs they're, they're afraid right. to no say, they're they're socialized know, to do so a and job because yeah. uh, w- and women often are social- punished for doing so you know <laughs> yeah well and and the, the trick they say there's a there's a great book called games your mother never taught you and it's uh it came out in the 70s it's a feminist manifesto but basically it's that a woman will say oh gee you know i really want that job over there so i'm going to go ahead and really start to do it and show them I can do it. And then they'll give me the job and they'll give me a raise. And the truth is, once you start to do that, you know, management just goes on. They don't, you know, you're, you're already doing what they need done. They don't, you know, it's, you, you want to hold them hostage a little bit. Guys have been socialized to do that. And women just don't often don't do that. So I think some of the problems that we have in the labor market are sometimes that people are just too afraid to, demand what's theirs i do that anyway that's my opinion i do that you you'd go you go ahead and do the job and i hope they'll see it and give you the recognition yeah yeah (laughs) i'll give you the book games your mother never taught you i mean i know like it's taken me a while to not to to learn not to do that but usually it like when when that happens i'm feeling like okay so it's not getting done this needs to get done Nobody's doing it. I'm going yep. to do it because I'm the smartest one here. That's usually what happens. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and that's then not someone... a bad. Employers love you because you take care of things, right? They, yeah, they I just you. can't. I can't so. handle. I can't yeah. handle it when uh, a job isn't being done right or is being done poorly. It irks me. It vexes me. That just like Joe Manchin. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the, yeah. the the thing when when you're talking about unions, Sue, is it, the funny thing, the funniest thing that I heard you say was that you said all it takes is to, for people to stand up. Yep, that's what unions are. <laughs> people standing up. Well, union 
unions are formalized together (laughs) way to do that in secret you know taking your secret vote and all that but if people people don't need a union to actually strike you could just strike you don't need a union to do that you can just choose to say look you know the conditions aren't right here we can we can do this you get fired you might get fired that's true but it's it's quite effective a wildcat strike is a bunch of people coming together and saying we're going to act together and do this thing um that that's union activity you know that that's what unions do um what you're talking about is a formally recognized union uh, uh you know as a legal entity that has various rights and whatnot and the reasons for that are to protect the workers from retaliation and stuff like that and uh uh you know i i'm i'm fully in favor of those legal benefits but you know anytime you get you know a bunch of people who at one workplace who decide that they're all gonna stand up and assert their rights together you know that's what a union is you know so if if a bunch of the doctors at mass general say we're not going to do this they're not a union they just they just know their power and they just, you know, they they cow the administration into agreeing to, you know, they it it is different than a union, but um, we should probably hold that thought for another day. It's a it's 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 a it's a union in fact, not in name. And it also well, really well, it depends it, on do they do they maintain that unity for more than the momentary crisis. I guess really that's well, that's what makes it a union is when they decide they're they're we, hey we've banded together to do this let's stay that way let's let's form the Justice League and not just go back to our <laughs> own individual comic titles. Well, that's when you, know. you get rigid and you and organizations don't function. But if two guys who are the engineers that know how to build the blah 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 say, you know what, we're not going to agree to work these long hours anymore. You know, we're the two guys that know how to do this. They're not a union. They're just saying, you know enough is enough we you know we need it to be a little different and they'll usually get their way well they usually like, get their way and usually assuming they're they're guys and and it helps tribe. if they're white well the 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 <laughs> issue the issue with that is and i'm not saying that that's not a good way to go about things like if you have a if you have job security if you if you are very 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 specialized and highly highly trained and you are one of the few people that uh, that are accessible that um that can do your job and you say i'm not going to do this anymore until you pay me more that that is a a valid way of doing things yeah of course the problem is that a lot of unions they aren't for specialized workers they're for highly replaceable workers especially when the economy is there are more workers than jobs huh? because if yeah. some if like half of a mcdonald's they all say we're striking, we're out. Then they could just fire them all, and then hire more people. But if they strike as a union, as part of a union, that means they have legal protections for their work, which means they aren't putting their livelihoods on the line to try to improve their workplace. It's kind of, and it's kind of like whistleblower uh, protections. Um, you can yeah. be a whistleblower. You can get up and say like, "Hey, these this is going on here. This is this is not good." And they're they're Facebook experimenting. Doing that. Exactly, like they're like some some bio company. Like they're experimenting on people. 
and they're infecting them with the with with venom symbiotes they shouldn't be doing that but um they could just get fired you know but they're actually standing up and trying to do what's right but with whistleblower protections they have legal protections they have legal shields from uh retaliation from their employer so they can say hey these people are doing evil things and that but that doesn't mean that the 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 company that is doing the evil things can sue them can completely fire them can do like x y and z blackball blackball exactly and that means uh because we have those protections that means we hopefully have more people speaking up and speaking out about uh bad things that their employers are doing that they are privy to now when we're talking about unions that is the same thing like you if you want to have a place that's unionized it could be that the place has terrible terrible management in which case yes they would have to unionize because they don't have any choice or they are in a they are in a a job that is basically uh it doesn't require a lot of training. It requires training, but it, it it's training that anybody can do. So they could strike. They could they could perform a walkout unless everybody there, and I mean literally everybody there says, no, we're not going to do this. It'll shut and shut down business. Then the people that strike are going to get fired and the scabs are going to, are going to like still be there. And then they'll be able to hire more you know people. What? You know what's you know? wonderful about the job market right now? Yes. <laughs> is there's nobody to hire. You better take good care of the people you have. Well, there's the, nobody else showing up for an interview. That's the thing. There right now. are people that to hire. There are people that want to work. The thing is that the jobs that are being offered and the pay that is being offered isn't attractive. Now, that's my point is that you yeah. can make demands right now. As individuals, you can make because the job market isn't over, isn't glutted. So, yeah, individuals rights are going to are going to soar. So I think that's a good thing. And like I said, I find it interesting that Starbucks, that somebody finally busted Starbucks because Amazon did exactly what you said. They combined, you know, across state line. They did all kinds of things to to dismantle the union or discourage the union. Companies so, are afraid as hell is from from unions um, because they cost money, and yeah. the, and the they make your business stagnant. Well, they, McDonald's actually like in the few instances where they uh, uh, people at a McDonald's store did actually vote to unionize, McDonald's simply closed the location entirely. Yeah. Well, and those are individually owned, so sort of interesting. I wonder what they did with the licenses for those mcdonald's uh, you know the local people own them they're they're not owned in, by McDonald's, in many cases some of them are actually there's a uh uh most are franchise uh franchise locations but a few are actually owned directly by corporate headquarters it's about 10 percent. yeah that sounds right the original one in new jersey that <laughs> only has one arch Maybe. have you ever yeah. seen that one <laughs> The no. original McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> they, I mean, getting back to this, like the, um, the, the thing about the thing about union protection, that, and that's the that's the biggest thing. Like it, it, these, a, a lot of the the places that we're hearing about trying to be unionized are places with uh, a highly, um, a, like a, a workforce that can be fired 
relatively easily. And that's why they need um, to have union law protecting them. But like right now, like you said, like um, at last count, as far as I know, there's 11 million jobs open and about 7 million people looking for work. And we have we still have some uh, boosted uh, unemployment. Uh, so people are able to even not look for not being f- afraid of not working and that is something that's that hasn't happened in a very long time. Like people say, yeah. oh, OK, so I don't have to take the first job that is presented to me to make rent and to buy food because I have some money that allows me to take a breath, step back and think about what I want to be. And the cool thing about that and I'm sure you'll agree, Sue, the, the, the cool thing about that is that means people can look for jobs that will actually be like fulfilling in some ways. They don't have to just like, OK, so there's a job at this horrible place and nobody wants this job and that's why it's open. And I'm going to take that because I need to eat next week. They can say, well, I'm going to step back and say, no, I really want to do X or Y. You know, I want to open this business. I want to uh, do a startup or I want to move and 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 um, get this job or something like that. And the coolest thing about that is that now companies have to offer more benefits and higher wages. And the like pay has actually gone up like relatively sharply over the past couple of years. 6%, I think. Yeah. Yeah, uh, 6% I think it's like, the last month or two. I think it's like 5%. But 5%. yeah, it's... Um, it's 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 wild like what we're what we're seeing right now and this is a great time for not just collective bargaining but like you said um like personal bargaining as well there are some there yeah. are some things to if you if we don't want to have the requirement of unions there are some things that need to change in workplace culture uh like not stigmatizing talking about how much you're paid yeah, pay transparency is is one of the things yeah, unions that's a f- brings to the federal table. law now. Well, that's a federal law now. Like you can't require you can, people you not be- to talk about it, but it's still there's still a cultural yeah. stigma about it. Like, what are you asking me? How much I get American? Paid, you know? Yeah, and, and yeah, you know, corporation. The you know the management is still perfectly free to sort of discourage you from getting that information and whatever. Whereas if, uh, you know, all the positions are being negotiated for by a union, by definition, the union knows what's going on. So everybody in the union can know what everybody else is getting paid and also can ensure that everybody is getting paid the same or according to the same logic, even if there is a disparity. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't take a union. It just, it just takes a complaint because the EOC now they, you have to produce statistics. This is new too, within the last two years, organizations have to produce statistics so that it can be evaluated externally, you know, I, job I, titles. That's and hilarious. I, thought you, I thought you hated the idea of uh, the government getting involved in interfering in private business and, you know, leaving these, you know, these things should be left to the private sector and personal initiative. Oh, I, I think it should be left, but it isn't. And so people can use that route if they want to. All right. So in other words, you don't want people to come together privately as individ- as you know, as private citizens to come together and form a, a collective bargaining unit to enforce these rights. You'd rather the government did it, except you don't want the government to actually be involved 
don't like no, government it's the, you it's, to be left to the private. Uh, I was just reporting. I was just reporting what the law is. <laughs> so here's a question for you guys. So, um, and unions, part of my problem with them is it's a third party. So you get these really stagnant businesses. We have like, that can't you know, seven minutes fast. left. So here's the grenade. Okay. <laughs> the grenade. Well, it was something you just, you just raised. Do you think people, when I was working down at highway auto salvage, we had a terrible time getting people that wanted to work outside in the winter, you know, and pull parts on cars. Mm-hmm. And we had ads up for months and things on the door and we would get resumes um, and, but the people would never respond to a request for an interview or anything. And I couldn't figure it out. And somebody said, well, it's because they're on unemployment and the requirement is that they submit three resumes a week or whatever it is, or a day. And they've fulfilled the requirement by submitting the resume. They don't have to respond to your request for an interview. It's so do you week, think yeah. people should be, able, yeah. Do you think people should be able to hang out on unemployment when there are jobs that they could have? You mean plum jobs like having to go out in uh, the freezing cold weather and, uh, uh, you know, do maintenance on cars stuck in the snow? Uh, no, just pull yeah. it, pulling parts, just pull the part off so we could sell it. But they also had trouble recruiting for my job. I gave my notice in April and it took them till August to find somebody for my job. And it wasn't a bad job. It was, you know, in an office. The problem, doing- the problem with this is it's, like everything is nuanced because they're they're they have to submit resumes but some people are more geared to uh have to to do certain work and some people are not like if i'm looking for work i can't if i was able to work then i would have to look for something sedentary and that that was um that wasn't as as physical that so, you could get to, yep, and you could physically get to exactly. So if there's, if there are X number of jobs in the area, and the government, like the state government, is saying, well, in your town there are X number of jobs, and I'm saying, well, they're all working outside, and I can't do that, or they're all across town, and you don't give me bus service to get there, then that is an issue that um, has to be has to be addressed. But it should, it, there should be, that's, it's nuanced. Like I, there, there, there should be yeah. like some sort of control on that. The, I mean, the, really the solution is just having UBI and just having just a constant check in people's pocket. And then um, they'll be able to survive like lean times, you know, <laughs> I well, mean, how do, you, how do you get, how do you get people to hustle? They, because they want to live places it's i don't i don't understand why what do you mean hustle well i you know i i just you know there's some people in the world that are always hustling they have a couple of gigs on the side and they do this and they're working towards that and blah 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 Mm -hmm. and there's other folks that are just you know they go to work and that's that's it they don't they don't aspire i mean they they pay their bills and do all that and and i just no, I'm just saying that the, to some degree, the why do you hustle, bring it up? The hustle in the world. Well, the hustle in the world is sort of, sort of hearkening back to our first conversation. You know, the the, the inventors of the world, the people that that drive things. And I'm not going to say takers and makers and leavers or whatever the Republicans say, but you know, how do how do you have a society where there's a lot of people that are hustling? 
because that's what makes America great is the is the hustling. I think the optimism. So, I think John, where you called it. So, so uh, uh, more people need to be out there pounding the pavement, trying to sing for their supper. Otherwise, they go cold and hungry, and that's that's good. I mean, or they want to make art better, or they want to make a great musical, or they uh, they really want to great paint a great painting. You know, I think a lot passion, of people will will do those things. A lot of people will want to do those things anyways. And uh, I think there's more than one way, you know, uh, in America where, you know, you have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You also have the right to define what happiness means. And if happiness means, you know, being still and appreciating what you have more and uh, uh, spending more time with family and loved ones at home or whatever, uh I think that that counts. It's just as valid as the person who uh, has to go out and I don't know, make it here this afternoon or whatever. So, or plow or plow the driveway. You know, yeah, we'll always we'll always plow your driveway, even though they already got four hundred customers and they they'll take on one more. <laughs> that's not it's just okay. A that's a that's a whole other thing. We should write. We should wrap up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do hear the music, so. Oh yeah. So, uh, but yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna leave it there. Uh, but thank you for listening to Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio. We've got a repeat broadcast Monday afternoons at 4 p.m. So if you're not listening to us then, you should go and listen to us then. And if you are listening to us then, hi. Uh, I always get confused by that. Um, anyway, we also <laughs> are gonna have a podcast version uh, going out at uh, 1 a.m. on Monday morning. Uh, you can get that on all the streaming services or, of course, go to civilpoliticsradio.com and get recording there. Uh, yeah, and we'll be back with more next week. So thank you all for joining us, and I hope you enjoy. Talk to you again soon. Thanks for listening. Good night. Civil Politics is a member of the Planetside Podcast Network. To learn more, go to planetsidepodcasts.com.